Let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello, and thanks for joining to a new episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity. And today we'll discuss a new perspective on verified digital identities. And for that, we have a special guest with Adrian Field. He leads One ID's market development, working with banks, industry groups, governments, and regulators to enable the UK market for identity services to grow and succeed. He's also engaged with the OpenID Foundation, developing global open standards for identity and global projects to connect identity schemes cross-border. Hello, Adrian. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Let's talk about digital identity. But first, I'd like to hear a bit more about yourself. So, so tell us what was your journey into this world of identity? Yeah, so my background's banking and payments originally. So I spent a long time with one of the card schemes doing all sorts of things, but learned about the concepts of authentication and authorization through that process. And then spent a few years at one of the UK's large banks looking at lots of different innovation topics, but digital identity was one of those. And then I used my authentication knowledge to build on that to investigate more and more about you know what is identity? How do you prove that it's the right person in a journey at the right time? And to start this conversation with common understanding for ones who have not heard or it's not completely clear what is the concept of verified digital identity. So what are we talking about when you use this term and why is it important? I normally explain this by going back to the question of what is identity without the digital part. And and for us at One ID, this is your it's the legal concept of your personhood. So you are a person which is either a, a natural person, which is a human, or a kind of legal person, which is an organization. And if you're a person in, in UK law, that gives you certain rights. So you can own things, I can sign documents, I can own property. I have certain rights that non-persons, i.e. objects and things, don't have those rights. So you get your legal identity by, as a person, you entered into a birth register, or if you're an organization, you get entered into a company's register or charity's register as a legal organization. And, and that's how you get the identity part. That's what an identity is. The digitization of that is how do I securely connect legal entity or the natural person to that legal identity in a digital process. So I've got to have some way of verifying a birth certificate or passport or document or some other way to connect those two things together. And then I can store some data, which is the digital part, and I protect that by providing that person with some secure authenticators so they can reconnect to that digital identity and use it in other contexts. And and that's when it becomes a reusable digital identity and therefore it's more useful and also verified. In most of the countries, there are several coexisting identity verification products. There are some based on getting a passport ID cards, for instance, as one category. There are some based on mobile subscriptions. And the one I know you and your company, One ID, is focused is identity verification based on online banking. So why this category of verified digital identities are needed? Yeah, so we, we, 
we looked at the UK market and we looked at a number of different markets that have digital identity schemes and solutions in place. And specifically for the UK, we, we didn't feel the government ID was was the right way to go. Or it, was, it was quite hard because politically people have looked at ID cards from the government in the past and they didn't really want those. Whereas in the UK, we've got a very strong financial services market. We've got open banking infrastructure, which all of the banks have put a lot of investment into to meet payment services directive two requirements. So some EU legislation. And part of that open banking is all around strong customer authentication. So being able to securely identify that you have the right person in place to prevent payments, fraud and things like that. So we, we saw that as a very good technical platform on which to build an identity layer. So an identity scheme on top of that. So essentially, it's a, a bank ID scheme. So you leverage the, the know your customer process that the bank has put you through so that they know who you are. We, we can leverage that and make that available in any online customer journey. And, and it's a very easy process because most people in the UK already have the, the bank app or the credentials that they need to get through our 1ID service. And we can enable that for around 40 million UK adults, for instance, already have what they need to use the service. So it's it's a lot less friction for the customers to understand what a digital identity is. All they need to do is click a button and consent to share some data. And we do, we do there's a lot of kind of document scanning solutions in the market and we recognize you know, we look at that as a kind of bridging technology i've got to scan my documents which we we kind of see that as a, a digitized identity rather than a digital identity because i'm digitizing paper into a digital format as a follow-on step from that i can choose to store that digital format somewhere with a provider to create a, a reusable identity um, and then protect that in in some way so we see that as a, a long-term process as well and in terms of what the telco sector can bring, there's a there's a lot of kind of useful signals around telcos in terms of SIM swaps. Remember the last date that my SIM was swapped? You know, where is the phone, location-based data, and things like that. We definitely see telcos and I banks working together and providing complementary features. Although there are some gaps in the telco market in terms of I could have multiple shared handsets on one account. So it makes it harder for to know all the IDs on that account. And pay as you go, for instance, if there's no KYC on getting the device, then that becomes harder to do identities in that manner. Explain us a bit in a let's say concrete example, thinking the, the user doing some transactions on doing some yeah, something online in which require the identity verification. In the case of these online bank based verified data identities, if you can guide us to a use case to understand how it, how it works. Yeah, sure. So our corporate customers, who we, you know, relying parties, we use that term, they would implement our service as a, we have a software development kit, an SDK. Um, essentially, they can embed our button within their app or website. So the consumer, that's the service the consumer is trying to get to. They would then click that button which and then select the UK bank that they do their banking with. And once they've selected the UK bank, we would route them off to either the, the bank app that's on their phone or um, an online banking login page for their bank. And they log into that and they see what data that the relying party is requesting. They can consent to share that data. And then we hand off that customer back to the original service or relying party that they're trying to access. 
So it's a three-click simple process and the customer's completely in control and has good visibility of what data they're sharing. And they, through that process, they we kind of avoid the need to educate the customer on this is a digital identity, this is what it is, and this is how you use it. Because all, all you really see is I'm sharing my name, address, date of birth with I'm trying to get some car finance or I'm trying to buy something online. So it's a lot easier for the consumer to to understand in that context. So, so far, it's it's already serving different type of relying parties, as you said, or in, term, in, in practice, service providers, well, it's the other term just to use that. So there are many, let's say, a type of businesses and also, I guess, government that are already using this type of verified identity. Yes, exactly. So we're getting some good traction in, in e-signing, for instance. So currently, when you sign a document, you typically get an email into your inbox. You then click the link and sign the document. But if, if that email goes astray, or if you as the contracting provider want to know that it went to the right person, you can insert a digital identity check in that process. So we've built that and partnered with a number of the e-signature market to be able to have an identity and signature flow, which works really well. Another use case we're looking at is disclosure and borrowing service or DBS checks in the UK for employment. We can now do that in 100% digital process that doesn't need document scanning. So it's a much easier flow for the customer to get through. And and final use cases, you know, financial services, we're, we're live in the FCA regulatory sandbox working with one of our customers in the asset finance space where we can augment and supply some of the KYC data into their um, customer due diligence process for money laundering checking. And you have mentioned earlier that one of the reasons why this type of verified data identity made a lot of sense in the UK is because uh, the UK has open banking among other parts of the system that are already working working pretty well. So if you can tell us a bit more about that online banking, how this approach is using or complementing open banking? Yes, exactly. So we're, we're regulated ourselves by the Financial Conduct Authority as the, the UK um, FS regulator. We're an account information service provider under PSD2. So we, we have permission to access all of the banks without permissions or contracts from the banks. But you can only get certain limited data under the PSD2 directive. And it's, you know, EIDAS is the regulation in Europe that covers identity. PSD2 is just about triggering payments and getting bank transaction data. So it's not about identity. So we, we partner with the banks to get that additional information. So we're using open banking as technical rails um, to secure the API connectivity but we have commercial partnerships with the banks to actually get the identity data. And this approach can be replicated in, in other countries? Yes, so we're, we're looking at other countries that have either open banking and digital identity frameworks. You know, a lot of countries will have both of those things and talking to other schemes in terms of you know, how sharing how people do it elsewhere, what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, what needs to be put in place if you haven't got the relevant frameworks or standards. And how we can connect those things to enable cross-border journeys. So there's a lot of activity going on. I think there's something like 60 countries globally have digital ID systems. They're not all based on open banking, but you know, open banking, online banking is emerging as a, a good model on which to base your identity for a number of different reasons. Coming back to the, the benefits that verified digital identities have, 
Can you tell us what are some of those benefits, both for individuals and for businesses? Yes, so I'll start with businesses. So, so firstly, it acts as a key capability within digital transformation. So understanding who your customers are and enabling them to access your services in a much quicker way will lead to increased sales, basically. You'll be able to onboard more customers more quickly. They'll typically you know, spend more with your company because we find convenience always wins. So the customers will also have used the path of least resistance. If I have one service that is, is hard to get to and I need, need to go and find my document and do lots of different steps to get onto that service versus one that takes three clicks to get through to the same thing, you know, typically you'll find your conversion is better with a simpler service. But we also think it, this will be a cheaper route. So operationally, the cost, if you, if you haven't got, don't need people checking documents, then it's a, a cheaper provision of service. And also for the business, we, we think this will lower fraud because we can keep fraudsters out of the, the loop because they can't prove that they are who they are. So typically impersonation fraud, someone's pretending to be someone they're not with a different name. If you then ask them to authenticate themselves with their bank account, they won't have a bank account in that name, so they just can't get through the process. And this will help things like authorised push payment fraud and other frauds in the in the ecosystem. And then on the on the individual life, it's really you know all about making my life simple. So make my life easier, more, not more complex. If I'm trying to get to a service when I'm out and about, maybe my ID documents at home, you know, I can onboard to a service easily just with the phone I have when I'm out. It makes my life really simple. We can actually onboard you to a service provider and also do a, a login afterwards as well. So there's no new passwords to remember. I get to see what data I'm sharing so I can control my data. I consent to share exactly what data has been asked for. I can see what data I've shared in the past through another consent service that we offer. And in our model, the data is protected by my bank. So it's someone I already have a relationship with. I trust my bank. I trust them with my money. I trust them with my information. And they can help me when it goes wrong as well. So if, if something happens and my identity is compromised, I can call my bank and say, can you help me out? Um, let's figure out what went wrong and fix it. Do you see there could be some uh, cross-border challenges that come from some specific country-based digital identities? Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of this comes from you know, interoperability in the, the standard space. So what, how do we actually connect to these services, connect them together to share data from one scheme or solution to another one? What's the kind of data format? What does the data mean? And then from a governance perspective, what's, what's the level of assurance that was been through the, you know, the, the checking of that identity before that data was issued? And do I trust that that process was followed properly? So in the UK, for instance, we have a, a certification regime set up where I can actually get an independent auditor to verify that I'm safe and doing these things properly. And therefore, you build in different layers of trust in, in the data that comes out of that ecosystem. And, and do you have equivalents of those things across different corridors? But essentially, identity or legal identity always comes from a national authority. So it always will be nation-based. I get my identity from being on a birth register in a country, and then they issue me with a passport, driving license, etc. Digital identity can be added onto those things. So I do, do see we will have you know, 200 plus countries issue identity, and in what format do they do those things? 
And that's where some of the work I'm doing with OpenID Foundation and others is in terms of how do we come up with better, easier to use standards that can enable all of these things to talk to each other. And how are this type of approach of online bank-based verified data identity fits with EIDAS 2.0 if, if it fits? Yes, I know that there's a lot of interesting activity going on in Europe with the EIDAS too, with the whole kind of shift to digital wallets and people having a wallet or a container that they can then put digital identity credentials into. What's What are the kind of standards and infrastructure that enables that to happen? And how do we give people more control and visibility about what data they have, enable them to choose to share that data with third parties in a privacy-respecting sort of data minimization. All of those good things happen through that. And I think that the kind of EIDAS2 framework, we're starting to, to drill down through the layers to say how these things are actually going to be implemented, which is really good. And we've got four or five large-scale projects with lots of different parties involved with lots of just good capabilities. So you know, we're watching that space quite closely in terms of what's our equivalent approach in the UK to digital wallets between the government, the banking sector, us as a provider, how those things work and interoperate together to be able to securely provision those credentials into the right wallet. And I, I, do, I do think some key challenges are going to be around you know, how do you bind the credential to the wallet? How do you bind the wallet to the device? and the person that owns it to make sure that the credentials that are being presented actually belong to the person that's in front of you or in that digital journey. How, first of all, the UK trust framework is supporting verified digital identities? So I think that the UK government is, is doing really well. The Department of Science, Innovation and Technology is a new department, but they've now taken over ownership of the Trust framework. The trust framework is in a, in a beta version, and we have 36 providers in the UK market that have been certified under a number of different roles within that framework. So I think the UK government's work has certainly catalyzed the UK identity market and enabled providers such as ourselves to be certified for services within that. And also, they have launched. There were, there were three schemes. There's a right to rent, right to work, and disclosure and borrowing service schemes that have been launched under that, where if relying parties are looking to buy services from the market, the, the framework is recommending that they use certified providers because you've got that layer of trust that you don't have with non-certified services. So I think it's it's been a very good framework that's evolved and enabling you know, the UK market to progress from where it was before. And also, for we, we now have a kind of reference point for anyone that's doing anything in identity in the UK and point towards the framework and say, well, let's do it this way. We can have that common language between each other. We all, we all know what the inputs and outputs are in terms of a, a, a common approach. So it's, yeah, it's been really good. Yes, and as you said, Earlier, when, when I asked you about the, what are the verified data identity, you, you mentioned very clearly that there are verified identities for individuals, which mostly what we're talking in this conversation, but also you mentioned this also for the organizations. So that touches the topic of the legal entity identifiers, LEIs. To go your, your view, how the LEIs are supporting verified data identities? 
yeah, so I think this is these are essential, and the whole you know the work through life and the the whole ecosystem of how do we give unique identifiers to legal organisations globally that can then be used to create security around who are the business organisations that I'm dealing with, who owns which assets, etc. Who owns what's the kind of parent-child relationship in particular businesses as well absolutely helps understand that kind of transparency and trust of I know organizationally who I'm dealing with who I'm contracted with and then we can add in the individual identity from things like one ID to say I know who the individuals are and I verified the individuals I can then start to connect those two things together so I've got a one ID for an individual I've got an LEI that I know it's this particular company and I can then join those two things together to say this individual is acting as a director of that organization or it's the chief financial officer and they have access to the bank account information. And then you, you can then start to secure those channels to say I've only got certain notified people should have access to my corporate bank accounts, then protects the corporate bank accounts from fraudulent use of internal people or the wrong internal people accessing those accounts. And also when you're paying other companies, you can then start to verify, am I paying the right company? Am I am I dealing with the right person within that company in terms of individual identity? So it becomes very powerful, the combination of both. Yeah, exactly. And I really hope to see this, exactly the use case that you, are, you just described, I hope to see really in the in the near future. Unless... And then you've already seen them. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and and we're looking at those those kind of use cases as well to say, you know, how can we actually do do better corporate identity and in and you use um the LEIs for all sectors really. So, you know, LEIs have been born out of the financial sector um through regulation, but we do see business use in all sectors is is useful to be able to enable less fraud within a country or you know better and smoother cross-border use cases for companies yeah certainly a final question adrian for all business leaders that are listening to us now what is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today so, so i would say you know come and come and talk to us so my email is adrian at oneid.uk Come and talk to us, come and engage with the, the services, come and test and learn and try them out. So we're, we're live and we have a, an easy to use API. It takes a, a few hours to integrate. We're also based on open standards with OpenID Connect. Um, so it's very easy to get up and running with the service and start to consume it to see what, what kind of data you get from the service, what kind of assurance, you know, what certification, how does this um, interoperate in terms of other things in the market what kind of solutions are you using today what kind of problems do you have that, that that these solutions can potentially address but it's all ready and up and running so yes just come come talk to us again it was very nice very interesting discussing with you adrian and all the best okay thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of let's talk about digital identity produced by ubisecure Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. 
Until next time, 